Amen. Have a seat. Hey, good morning, everyone. How are we doing? How are we doing? Hey, there you go. Uh, I just want to reintroduce myself. Haven't been here in a while. I just want to say uh, my name's John, John Arevalo, husband to my wife, Leah, father to my 21-month-old son, Isaiah, and one-month-old daughter, Karis. So the busy family. That's right. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. And also one of the pastors here for this church. So it is a pleasure, pleasure, pleasure to be with you all this morning. A couple things I want to share with you. Uh, October is a fun month. There's like a couple things that I want to give you as opportunities for you to engage our community with the gospel. So tomorrow, we're going to be back doing our, our food deliveries, all right? Yes, that's exciting, food deliveries, all right? So I just want to give you back on what's going on here. We have a list from some of our connections here of 150 or so of some of the neediest families in our community within a two-mile radius. And all we're doing is we're just going to drop off grocery food at their place, pray for them, hope to share the gospel with them, connect with them, and a lot of ways engage with them with the gospel. So show up at here for any time from 1 to 7. All right? We're going to be here at 1 o'clock. We're going to pack. But if, if you're, you're working there, show up after 5. We're going to be here and it's just going to be an op- awesome opportunity to, you know, rub shoulders with the community, which is what we're here for. And a lot of that is another more fun thing. It's going to be October 29th. We are going to be doing a fall festival. What a great way. Just what a great way to celebrate fall with the community and for the community to see the light, the light. So I'm excited for all those things. Uh, I'm, uh, I want to invite you to to sign up online to serve, whether it's doing a truck or treat, face painting, apple cider, I don't know, there's a lot going on, so we need all hands on deck for this, okay? So tomorrow, uh, October 29th, it's going to be a fun, fun month. All right? Well, hey, open your Bibles to Nehemiah 8, Nehemiah 8, 1 through 6. Do we have a let's go on that? One more time. Hey, open your Bibles to Nehemiah 8, 1 through 6. My goodness. I'm a little rusty too. Only Nate does that. All right, so I'll give you guys a break there. Nehemiah 8. Uh, yeah, uh, here's a trick. Just open your Bibles in the middle, like around Psalms, and then just take a slight left, and you will find Nehemiah 8. Uh, I want to give you a couple backgrounds here too. This is now, by the time this is happening, you have a people of Israel who just went back home from being exiled for 70 years in Babylon, okay? In several years, they spent time in their homeland building a temple, rebuilding their temple. They spent a ton of time rebuilding their walls to protect them from conquerors. So temples built, walls built, and now Nehemiah is saying, okay, now let's do a service. Let's run a service. So this is what's going on. And let's just read Nehemiah 8, verses 1 through 6, and to see what might God have us for this morning. All right, so verse 1. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand what they heard. And on the first day of the seventh month, and he read from it, facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday. In the presence of the men... 
and the woman of those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood a bunch of people I can't pronounce, so we're going to skip that and jump to verse 5 with me and say, and Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And as he opened, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen. Amen. Okay. Lifting up their hands, and they bow their heads and worship the Lord with their faces to the ground. One pastor by the name of J.I. Packer said, this is a moment where God took over. Okay? That's a moment where God took over. Now, always, God always takes over. I'm not going to lie, all right? He always leads. But there are moments in our lives in our gatherings where the obvious presence of God is evident more than ever. You know, you go from saying, oh, this was nice, this was impressive, this felt good, that guy's great, I cried a little bit, to now saying, oh, God was here. A moment where God took over. And it's in these moments where our, our souls are destined for, which is to relish to be in awe, to be happy, to be satisfied, to be nourished by the very presence of God forever and ever. So God's giving these people a taste of heaven, a taste of what it would be like of God's presence to take over for our lives. And that is the need for our church today. That is the need for the city. That is the need for this nation. That is the need for this world, for the presence of God to take over. And you see it obvious here now in Nehemiah 8, right? Because as Ezra was reading the word, they were saying, yo, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Their, hand, their faces were to the ground. They were worshiping. Now, what typically brings us this kind of response is music right? Worship music. The thing that typically gives us this kind of response to worship God in this way is music. Music gets us going. Let's just get through this 20 minutes of sermon and worship again. You know what I'm saying? Let's just get through the pastor preaching and let's worship the word. Let's worship again. But here you see the opposite. You see simply a people reading God's word and they were worshiping. Now, I want to be clear. I am not not against worship music. I'm not trying to kick them out, okay? I mean, I love our worship team. And in fact, in our time here at City Light, music has helped us all experience the presence of God in ways that we've never imagined, right? Music helps. But here we see a unique example of a people who heard God's word as music to their ears. I'm saying it's God's word Music to your ears. As they were hearing God's word, they heard a melody from his mercies. As they were hearing God's word, they were hearing the harmonies from heaven. You know, as they were hearing God's word, they, they saw, they heard the song of his satisfactions. Music, the word, and his music to their ears. And then you see, as Ezra was doing it, was reading, they're listening, God took over. 
God took over, and God fed the biggest needs in our souls and in our lives today of his presence to take over. So in a lot of that, I just want to give a couple, a couple ways to help us experience more of God. Right? These aren't new, but these serve as critical reminders for you and I of how you and I can help each other encounter God's presence in a way we've never experienced before. Okay? You guys ready? All right, number one, hunger for his word. It's simple. Hunger for his word. Now, since Israel's exile, there hasn't been any, t- any attempt to teach God's word to all of Israel. Like, none. Think about how long it's been for Israel. They spent 70 years in exile in Babylon, and then they returned home in 537 B.C. But by the time Nehemiah 8 happened, it's about 444 B.C. by then. So if you're going to do the math, you have 163 years without making any attempt to teach God's word to God's people. That's a long time. So they were hungry. They were starving. You know, they were starving. This meant back then that regular people like you and I would either know very little or nothing at all about God's word. Their souls were starving. They were hungry. They were so hungry that as soon as they gathered, the people told Ezra to bring the book. You see that in verse 1. It says, and they all gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And, the, and they told Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book. I mean, that's crazy. Like, imagine if you guys were to gather, you skip the coffee, even before I open my Bible, you're like, Pastor, bring the word, let's go. You know what I'm saying? Even before I ask you guys to open the word to Nehemiah 8, you guys were saying, are now saying, let's go. You know, we don't even have to wait. You guys are just ready. This is how hungry they were. And not only that, they were so hungry for his word that as soon as Ezra opened the Bible, they stood up. They stood up. He said in verse 5, it's saying, And Hezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. And as he opened, all the people stood up. Hezra did not ask them to stand up. No, they all stood up. You know, one of the most exciting parts of watching a live sporting event, especially like in a basketball game, when you see a team, right? There's like 20 seconds left in the game. You know, the team's down by one right? And it's their ball. And by the time the possession starts, the whistle comes, you see thousands of people standing up at the same time thinking, what's about to happen, right? But I, all Ezra had to do, all Ezra had to do was this. And they all stood up. Like, what does God have to say? This is how hungry they were. They were so hungry for his word that they all stood up. They're also so hungry for his word that even for, that not just for a short time, but for a long time, their ears were attentive. You know, reading from early morning to midday, that's about five to six hours. What's really awesome here at this, that these people, this new generation of Israel, did not know Hebrew. And what's the Old Testament written in Hebrew? So this is why there's a bunch of people why we can't pronounce here. They were there as translators. So imagine being in a service at Ciudad Luz or at, at Lao, and you're listening to the preaching with a translator next to you for five, six hours at a time. I can't do that. No way. I did it for one hour. It was hard. 
but these people are just so hungry. I'll take it all. I don't, I don't even care. Translate to me. I don't care. God has a word for me. This is how hungry they were. Standing up, they want to stand up, listen for this long. Why? Because they were anticipating of what might God have to say for their lives. So when was the last time you felt this kind of anticipation for his word? When? You know, they were so hungry. What's even crazier here, they were so hungry that they consumed all of his word. It wasn't just a verse a day. It wasn't just a, a devotional thought. That's reading for 30 seconds. That's, those are important. It wasn't just that. No, he was reading from front to back, all of it. And Ezra, by this time, most likely had the first five books of the Bible. Now, first five books of the Bible, especially if you start a reading plan, sometimes are some of the hardest to read. All right? This is one of the reasons why people quit three months in on the reading plans, right? Because first five Bibles are hard. But this is what Ezra's reading. Now, imagine this. Say... Ezra gets to Leviticus. And Leviticus. And say he reads Leviticus 13:40, which says, if a man's hair falls out from his head, he is bald. He is clean. And everyone's like, Amen! Worshiping, you know, faces to the ground. This is what's going on. You know, all the bald people are like, I'm clean. I'm clean. You know, all the people with receding hairlines are saying, I will be clean. Praise the Lord. This is what God has for me. This is what's going on. And for all the, all the bald people in this room, I just want to say, thus says the Lord, you are clean. You are clean. This is the hunger that they had for his word. So we say hunger for his word. And I want to be very, very clear. This kind of hunger does not and will not come from you. Would never. You can try your hardest to muster up this kind of hunger. And I'm not saying don't read your Bible for a full year so that you can come hungry. No. This kind of hunger must come from a supernatural God. To have a supernatural hunger from his word must be a gift from a supernatural God by his spirit. So we hunger for its love. Why? Why is this important? Because we are living now in a time where the word is treated more like the occasional filet mignon than your daily bread. You know what I'm saying? This is what's going on. And God wants you to daily hunger for his word, to be satisfied by his likeness, to enjoy his presence, to drink from the river of his delight, to see his word as sweeter as honey and better than gold. So we hunger for his word. Second is now we gather in his word. Simple, but very important. We gather. Let's look at verse 1. It says, and all the people gathered as one man. In this day and age, one of the most overlooked truths about the Bible is the, the reality that the Bible is communal literature. The Bible's a book to be read in community. More than just your quiet time, the Bible's meant to be read in community. Look at Paul's letter, Colossians 4, 16. It says, when this letter, this, my letter, which is God's word, has been read among you, have it also read in the church of Laodiceans. You see that? 
You see that? He's reading it to a group of people in one sitting and saying, hey, read it to another church. This is God's word. So they all gather. They didn't have their personal Bibles, like copies of the Bibles like, they, like we do now. So they all gather. They listen to God. This is God's word. So they have no choice but to memorize it, to write it down, and to write it down in their hearts. And they're gathering together. And you see in that very moment God taking over. Why? Because God reveals more of himself to a people gathered in his word. More than your quiet time, God intends to reveal more of himself when you gather together in his word. Not that I'm against quiet time. Quiet time is important. Your secret place with the Lord is essential. But there's a reality going, out, going on right now in our day and age, especially in this nation, that our individualistic culture is placing more emphasis on my time with God rather than our time with God. We gather in his word. God designed to reveal more of himself to a people gathered in his word. And maybe one of the reasons why you haven't encountered this kind of presence with God because you've placed a heavier emphasis on your time with God rather than our time with God. Guys, Sunday mornings are highly important. Your meeting with lighthouses are means a lot. Talking to your to Bible, to your friends, wrestling the word with your spouse, teaching it to your kids, any interaction you have with the word with brother and sister, God can take over in those very moments. So we hunger for his word, and we gather in his word. And the people in Nehemiah 8 were praising the Lord, standing up, saying amen, amen, you know, bow, bowing down, faces on the ground, so much, it's looked to the point where it looks like they were listening to music, but no, it was very, God's very word as music to their ears. So, I want to do something different today. I want to do something different. Uh, I've been wrestling with the Lord earlier this week if I should do this for many obvious reasons, but it seems like from based off of Nehemiah 8 and the need for more of this kind of thing in our church, in our city, in this nation, all I want to do today is I want you to turn with me to the book of Philippians. Turn with me to the book of Philippians. And all we're going to do to close our time is to go through all of Philippians. We're just going to read the book of Philippians, word for word. Four short chapters, and we're just going to read it all. Philippians is by far Paul's most joyful, happiest, and most thankful Letter out of, all, out of all his letters. What a great way to read that to God's word today. All right? Nehemiah 8. And just like Nehemiah 8, if we want to experience some of Nehemiah 8 today, so if you're compelled to stand up during this time, I invite you to stand up. If you are compelled to sing, shout amen, raising your hands during this time, I invite you to do that. More importantly, God invites you to do that. Like, if you're compelled to kneel down and worship faces through the ground, I invite you guys to do that. In fact, God invites you to do that. If you're compelled to, to shout out some of these familiar verses alongside with me, oh, all the more God wants you to do that. He wants to hear these things. Any and every circumstance you want to worship the Lord in your expression during this simple time, God is inviting you to do that. 
as we simply try to engage with a hunger and gathering in his word together. Are you all ready? This is going to be fun. All right? So, book of Philippians, at your word, go. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus' word, Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my rooms of you, for you all, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership with the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, for I hold you all in my heart, for you all are partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in defense and confirmation of the gospel. It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may able to, to be able to approve what is excellent and so be pure for the day of Christ, filled with a fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus to the glory and praise of God. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become made known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Some indeed, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, think, knowing that I'm put here for my imprisonment. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, we will rejoice. For it has become made known, for through your, help, through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of God, this too will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I may not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I were to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot say. My desire, I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I, I'm the more eager. I will remain in continuity all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus. So now, so now, for and so now, let your manner of lives be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear that you are standing firm with one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you shall not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engage in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. So therefore, my brothers, if there is any encouragement in Christ, 
any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, and being a full accord with one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking form the form of a servant, being found in the likeness of man, and being found in human form, he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory and praise of God. So therefore, brothers, as you have always obeyed, so now, as not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing so that you may be blameless, innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of this crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights of the world. And holding fast to the word of life so that at the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. And even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. You therefore likewise should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus sent to you Timothy so that, just so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely be concerned for your welfare. For they all think of their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. For you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a father with a son, he has served with me in the gospel. So I'm the more eager to send him to you just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I've thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, my fellow worker, my fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill near to death, but our God had mercy on him, but not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. So I'm therefore more eager to send to, to him to you so that you may have all joy at seeing him again. So, so receive him, the Lord, with all joy and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Therefore, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. <laughs> to write the same things to you is no trouble for me, but it's safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For, look, for we are sort of the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus. 
though I myself have every reason for confidence in the flesh also. And if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I have, I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. For his sake, I have counted the laws of all things because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss in all things and count them as rubbish, as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Jesus Christ, the righteousness of God that depends on faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his suffering, becoming like him in his death, so that by any means possible, I, we may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already received this or already am perfect. But I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Press on. And let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything else thinks you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we obtain. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes according to those who walk the example that you have in us. For many whom have I often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is their destruction. Their God is their belly. They glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will turn our lowly bodies to become like his glorious bodies, even by the power that subjects all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord. I entreat you to, and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, true companions of Christ, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be made known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in Everything with prayer and supplication, thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts, minds, Christ Jesus our Lord. Finally, whatever is true, 
whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the peace of God will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that you have revived, that now at length you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know. I've learned whatever situation I am to be content. You know what I'm saying? I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of place facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need, and we can do all things through him who strengthens us. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. For you, Philippians, yourself know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent, my help, you sent me help according to my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I seek the fruit. I have received, well, I have received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent me, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice, acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God and our God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To God our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's give praise to the Lord. Huh? So, Lord, we bless you. We praise you. Your word is good. Your word is life. Your word is satisfaction, Lord. Your word is worship. Your word is enough. It is enough to sustain us for the day. It is enough to give us strength for the day. It is enough, Lord, for you to take over in our lives, to help us fan to flame the giftings that you have given us. Lord, your word is worship. So we praise you, God. We love you, and we thank you for your word became flesh in Jesus. And all God's people say, amen, amen. Let's stand up and worship the Lord. Huh? We need to worship the Lord.